0: I want to talk to you about an encounter which changes everything. But first of all, let me ask you to think back to uh, the last time that you played the game Hide and Seek. It's a classic childhood game, Um, probably most of us played it at some point, uh, which usually ends up with one kid disappearing for about half an hour, and everyone starts panicking and sort of shouting louder and louder to try and find them, dispersing sort of further and further out, and whoever's responsible for the group is feeling increasingly anxious. But we graduate at some point, don't we, from the game hide and seek to the game sardines. Now, if you haven't played Sardines, this is basically the reverse of hide-and-seek. One person goes and hides somewhere, and then when you find them, you join them, and so on and so on, until by the end of the game, you've got this massive group of people uh, in usually a very dark, very small, and increasingly smelly space, all trying to stay hidden by the final person. One of the best places that I've ever played the game Sardines is here at St. Mark's, uh, because it's Pretty big building, there are a lot of good places to hide. And I thought I would let you in on um, one of my top tips tonight. I think Narek might be disappointed if he's ever playing with the youth, um, the youth team again. And I've ruined one of the best hiding places for you tonight. But you may or may not know that just next door, in the hall, there are four floorboards which hide a surprisingly spacious baptism pool. And so all you need is a willing accomplice who's not playing the game, who's just sort of floating about and, you know, keeping an eye on things to lift up one of the floorboards and then every so often check on your air supply down there. Now, unfortunately, Sardines probably doesn't pass our COVID-19 health and safety risk assessments. uh, So it's probably not a game we're going to play again anytime soon. But I think that that need to hide doesn't always leave us as we grow up, even as we leave the childhood games behind. Whether it's hiding the mess in our homes when people come over for dinner, whether it's untagging unflattering photos of ourselves on Instagram or Facebook, not going to the pub after work because we can't afford to buy a round of drinks for all of our colleagues, Or even just wanting the ground to swallow us up when we put ourselves out there on a dating app and experience rejection. There are parts of our lives which we can instinctively want to hide away from show. Which we don't find it easy to let other people see. Which uh, we try to avoid because they trigger feelings of pain or shame or rejection, disappointment within us. And so what on earth can a conversation which Jesus had with a woman next to a well, half a mile out of a town in Samaria 2,000 years ago, have to speak into what we're experiencing today? Well, our, conversation, our series at the moment, as you know, is Conversations with Jesus. Because these aren't just sort of 21st century problems or issues which we face but they're part of the lived human experience. And so this conversation, this encounter which we've heard read tonight is incredibly relevant for us too. Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman is the longest recorded conversation he has with any one person in any of the gospel accounts. John has given loads of paper or parchment to this encounter to explain what happened, which means that it must have been pretty significant. And it was in a number of ways. Firstly, it was significant in the way that it challenged society's attitudes towards women in the first century. Now, Jesus not only talks to a woman here, to a woman here, which in and of itself was radical enough at that time, but he also trusts her with a message to pass on to others, both men and women. It was significant for restoring relationships between two Middle Eastern ethnic groups and for demonstrating that racial discrimination has no place in the kingdom of God. And it was significant, thirdly, of course, on a deeply personal level as well. For this woman, you know, we don't even know what her name was. But she has an encounter which changes everything. And because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever... The same Christ who calls this woman out of hiding, who releases her from the weight of her shame and who invites her to join in with his mission and ministry wants to do the same today for you and me as well. And so what can we take away from this conversation? Well, firstly, that Jesus sees you. You Jesus seeks the Samaritan woman out here You know, you could read it as a chance encounter. Jesus had to travel back from Judea to Galilee, and verse 4 says that he had to go through Samaria. And perhaps along the way, he just happened to stop off at a well because he was tired and needed to sit down and needed a drink. But there aren't many obvious reasons why Jesus would have had to go through Samaria. You know, it was the shortest route between Judea in the south and Galilee further up north, But most Jews would have actually gone the long way around to avoid traveling through and really being defiled by Samaritan territory. That was how much the Jews disliked the Samaritans. Unless Jesus had to go through Samaria because of the encounter which was to happen there. Because of this woman. This is a woman who makes the journey to draw water in the heat of the day because she knows that no one else will be around at that time. A woman who has experienced rejection and carries shame as heavy as the water jar on her head because of the life she has been living. We had it married five times and now with a man who isn't her husband. She isn't welcome to travel With the other village women to get water early in the morning or just before sundown. And yet, Jesus chooses to enter into her situation, to enter into her shame, to meet her exactly where she is and where she feels most alone in the world, where she's hiding. And in the same way, when we are far from God, when we are hiding in our shame, carrying the weight of our sinfulness and the bad decisions that we've made, Jesus sees us and he enters into our situation. God isn't a distant God. God. He came to this earth, he humbled himself, the word became flesh and lived among us so that he could be present in our place of need. And Jesus sees you, even if you feel like you're hiding today, maybe like the woman at the well, this is the first time that you've encountered Jesus. Maybe you've been a Christian for years, but we can still be hiding parts of ourselves from God. We can still carry the shame of uh, decisions we've made in life or of things which have happened to us. We can still feel the rejection which we've experienced from other people. And in trying to avoid our deepest pain and disappointments, we end up burying them deeper, hiding them in the darkness and carrying them with us day after day. What are you carrying today? And where are you hiding parts of your life from God? Let me say it again Jesus sees you and he meets you exactly where you are at. And secondly, Jesus knows you. Jesus knows the longings of our hearts and exactly what we need better than ourselves. If you Google toddler tantrums, then you get this amazing sort of selection of photographs of kids who think that they know what's best for them, but whose parents disagree. Uh, Here are a few of my favorites coming up on the screen. Firstly, a kid whose parents wouldn't let her go inside the dishwasher. I mean, how unfair is that? Next one, a kid who is crying because he wasn't allowed to get a tattoo. Come on. Next one, a kid who's crying because he doesn't want to share his leg hole. Does anyone else remember those trolleys in Tesco? Anyone have siblings have to sit in one of those trolleys when you're a kid growing up? I loved that photo, seeing it again. And finally, a kid who is crying because she was not allowed to play with a bag of dog poop. Um, There you go. You get the picture. Sometimes we think we know what's best for us, and yet other people actually know better. But you know, as we grow up, um, as we get older, we actually do generally think that we know what's best for us. We do tend to think we know what will make us happy because that's what we want, isn't it, to be happy in life? And so we start pursuing relationships. That's what it was for the Samaritan woman a desire to be loved. We pursue careers. Money, popularity, all of these things which seem like they'll be good for us. And they can be to an extent. But the thing is, as we get a taste of them, we're left wanting just that little bit more. You know, just that next promotion. Just that pay rise. Or if only I had a boyfriend. If only I was married. If only I was a little bit thinner. We keep getting thirsty again, dissatisfied, longing for more. Returning to the well, time and time again. When Jesus compares Jacob's well to a spring of living water welling up to eternal life, he could well have been referring back to a word from God in Jeremiah chapter 2 in the Old Testament, which said, My people have committed two sins. Firstly, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And secondly, they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, which cannot hold water. Only God can offer us living water, which will fully satisfy our deepest needs. And understandably, when the Samaritan woman hears about the option of water, which means she'll never thirst again, she's like, give it to me now. But Jesus knows that she can't enjoy this living water until she leaves behind the broken cisterns which she has dug for herself, the places where she's been drawing from to try and satisfy her needs. And so he replies in verse 16 Go, call your husband, and come back. Oh, no. I have no husband, she replies. Can you feel her retreating into herself again? She's tantalizingly close to getting this living water, but her secret is at risk of being exposed and ruining everything for her. This is exactly why she comes to the well at this time of day, so that she can avoid Being shamed by people like this man who's speaking to her, so she can avoid being rejected by people. And then in verse 17, Jesus brings her entire past into focus in this one reply You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband what you have said is quite true. Talk about your deepest, darkest secrets being exposed. Those thoughts or experiences or decisions which you feel most ashamed of being uncovered and laid bare before you. What would you do in that situation you know, a couple of years ago, I was back at my parents' house sorting out my old bedroom, and I came across a diary which I had kept in high school. Now, I was a bit of a nerd at school, um, and unfortunately, it wasn't the kind of school which celebrated sort of nerds like me. Uh, and so it wasn't always the easiest for me there. And sort of reading back on this diary, uh, I was having a thick flick flow through, um, reflected some of those struggles which I had experienced. And actually sort of reading this diary, I experienced deep shame again at some of what I'd written. Shame about both what I'd written about myself and about what I'd written about other people. The thought of it ever being found or read by anyone else made me feel really quite sick. And so yeah, you know, the reason I don't have it here today to show you is because I literally destroyed it. I burned it, which makes I was like, "Does that make me sound a little bit neurotic?" <laughs> like, literally burned my diary. Uh, what on earth was in there? It wasn't you know, it wasn't awful, but <laughs> it was bad enough for me not to want you to read it. But the thing is, when someone shines a light on our flaws and imperfections, on our uh, mistakes and failures. It can feel incredibly exposing. We can want to hide or instinctively want to run away. And yet, this woman doesn't. And so, just imagine how Jesus must have been speaking to her in this moment to make her feel safe in this moment. With kindness and compassion, Jesus shines a light on the things in our lives which are keeping us from experiencing his living water, from having our deepest desires fully satisfied in him. Jesus gently invites us to face the truth about ourselves and the changes which would be good for us to make in our lives to bring into the light what the darkness has tried to hide. And his truth sets us free. Because the Holy Spirit convicts, but he never condemns us. And God's conviction always goes hand in hand with his compassion for us. Jesus sees you today, wherever you're at. Jesus knows you, he knows the longings of your heart. And he knows exactly what you need. And thirdly, Jesus loves you. You know, this might sound a little bit too sort of Sunday school or slushy for your liking, Jesus loves you. But the fact is, the way that Jesus treated this woman and loved this woman throughout their conversation is deeply significant. We know from those famous verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love is patient. This woman throws all kinds of questions at Jesus, questions to catch him out, to distract him, to divert him, and he doesn't dismiss any of them, but he takes the time to respond and to engage with her. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Jesus approaches this woman with humility and vulnerability in asking her for a drink of water first of all. And that invites vulnerability back from her. Love does not dishonor others. Jesus honors this woman and treats her with respect and affirms her dignity throughout their conversation. Love is not self-seeking Rather, Jesus seeks this woman out, has something to give her. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus shines a light in the dark places of this woman's life to bring the truth to light and to set her free. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, Always perseveres. Love never fails. It is Jesus' love which changes everything for this woman. It's love which sees her run back to the village which has shamed her and rejected her to say to them, Come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Love causes us to stand taller, to be bolder, to expand our horizons and to look outwards. Jesus' love wells up inside of us and overflows to others. And so this conversation with the Samaritan woman is also an invitation for us today to see other people as Jesus sees them. To break down barriers and to cross divides. To reach people with the love of God. To enter into people's situations. To meet them in their places of need. To practice kindness and compassion. To invite them to come and see the one who has changed everything for us. The one who sees us, who knows us, and who loves us.